10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Alright, up, how Kreuzer Abertawi, everyone. Welcome to Swansea and The Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn. Tonight, we are talking about attendance and absence and the current DFE panic around those things. We'll be talking about the effects absence has on learning and also some of the things we can do as schools to help improve attendance. Tune in, talk it out. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Um, Boradar Pal, Kroisoy Abatawi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Swansea. And as always, I'll start off by telling you, you know, it is 50-50, but the 50-50 of the weather this week, sunshine, glorious, blindingly so, you know, coming through the window, blindingly so. But yeah, it is gorgeous here. And, I, you know, I feel positive about that going into the summer, uh, you know, that I am by a beach. I am, you know, I... I run to the beach, you know, that is my run down through the park. It's maybe a kilometre tops to go down through the beach into the, you know, a lovely place to be. When it rains, oh my word, it rains. But in summer, in the sunshine, absolutely beautiful. Now, the thing we are talking about tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about attendance. Now, I have a whole range to go through of kind of some of the current thinking. We're going to start off talking about some of those announcements more recently from the Department for Education in England, talking about this kind of current post-pandemic panic around attendance. Um, but we'll look at that, but we'll look back, okay, because it's worth remembering that there was a time before COVID and, and attendance was an issue then as well. So we're going to track back a little bit, look at our, our most reliable data from before things start getting a little bit crazy. We'll look at what was going on with attendance then. What were the trends? Um, what were people picking up on? And then we're going to have a little bit of chat about that Strathclyde study that came out this week that talked about authorised school absence being equally as detrimental um, as unauthorised absence. And we may need to kind of unpick that a little bit. When we talk about absence, what is it we're talking about? What can you give absence for? What can't you give an absence for? Um, and yeah, if we are saying that um, a medical emergency is as detrimental, and if that message is being put out to schools, what does that mean? for us and the message we give to parents about when they phone up and they say a child is sick. You know, they'll be really interested to hear people's uh, points and thoughts on that in particular, because I think, you know, we split things up. We talk about truancy and people have an idea about what, you know, what that means, this kind of idea of a kind of delinquent truancy that happens. And then we, we maybe are starting to have an understanding of, um, 
some you know emotionally based school avoidance and some of the things that happen that school refusal it's sometimes called um and then of course we have medical absences and where people draw the line on that and what what we feel about those calls when they come in about a, a child who ha- you know is feeling a bit unwell and when you know that there is a, a, a headline figure measure on attendance well you know if, if it's if, we, if we're starting to say that all absence is a bad thing, what does that mean for people who, you know, is there a moral, a social decision we have to make there? You know, it's a tough one. So we'll, we'll unpick that a little bit. We need to talk about the effects of absence, you know, and, and some of the differences of, of opinion about how, how strict we should be taking that and how much we believe. Um, we'll have a look at the DfE guidance. That's a big chunk of this, looking at what they say schools should be doing in England uh, to tackle these problems and they have a really kind of regimented system that, that if you're not aware of it is well worth looking into um, kind of of how they feel it should approach and there are sanctions in place as well um, you know at the very top end there are fines there are court orders there are supervision orders all of these things can be used question no listeners should they should they and when should they? And then we're going to take a little bit of advice from a, from an organisation called Attendance Matters magazine, where they've got some top tips for us, um, kind of looking at what we can proactively do in a positive way, uh, hopefully, rather than sanction. There are some things that come before that. So that is our plan for this evening. Now, uh, what you can do uh, as part with all Teachers Talk radio shows is you can text in if you have uh, any comments any thoughts you can text us live on air and you know we'll, we'll add that to the conversation you can tweet us as well at tt radio 2022 um where you you know you can join the conversation in twitter um you can also call in if you're feeling brave enough and we do take calls live on air now what we have added this week as well not for this show but after this show uh, lucy newberger is going to be on live in a twitter space which is a new way that you can interact with teachers talk radio so we can get your opinions your thoughts on all the latest things that are happening we want to talk to real teachers in the classroom find out what's going on for them so that's the outline for today. That's that 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 that's the show. I said we'd start off with um, this current DFE panic, and what I'm going to read out uh, or skip through reading out, summarise is one of the current uh, kind of press releases. This one's from January uh, from the Department for Education around attendance. Okay, and um, and this was titled "How We Plan to Improve School Attendance Following the COVID nineteen Pandemic." Um, they start off, face-to-face education is important in helping pupils fulfil their potential. Uh, during uh, school time, we believe pupils should be in class with their teachers and peers, enjoying the benefits that that brings. Uh, school attendance has obviously been affected by the pandemic. New data shows 87.4% of pupils attended school last week. Now we're talking in January of, uh, of this year. Um, but even before the pandemic, there were issues that meant pupils uh, should be in school, weren't attending as regularly as they should. Now that's why we're setting up a series of measures to help support schools to drive up attendance and help pupils and families overcome whatever obstacles they are facing. Here's what you need to know about the new measures to increase attendance in schools. So that is the blurb. That is what the the, the kind of press release says. Clearly, you know, we can 
pick out from that, whether you agree with it or not, that they are wanting children in school for whatever reason. And I say there are parts in that that feel like it is for whatever reason. They're talking about driving up attendance. Um, is that something you believe? Is that something you think we should be doing across the board? And remember, when we're talking about attendance now, we are talking about all absences. We are talking about absences for illness. We are talking about absences for uh, medical appointments. Should we be driving up attendance um, because of those issues as well? Well, the, the things that they released in their press release that they said that they were going to be doing is uh, they said that they don't want a postcode lottery. Uh, so they are going to be asking parents and teachers for their views. Uh, they said they want to get a better picture brilliant stuff i will say in the first part it does sound like they've already made their mind up about that attendance is an issue and they want to drive it up and they said that they are going to support staff uh, through guidance and we will have a look at that guidance a little bit later on in the show about what they are saying what their support looks like when they say they are going to support you as a teacher or you as a school in driving their word driving up attendance in your setting and uh, they've always said, uh, they say, we will uh, make sure that interventions like fines are always used when all other options have been explored. And that is an interesting turn of phrase. Uh, they talk about the legal intervention, including penalty notices, are used in promoting good attendance. Now, again, you might have feelings on that. We had a, uh, a kind of uh, Twitter poll out earlier this week looking at what people's opinions were on parents being fined. So if you want to comment, you can add that to the space. You can tweet us in, uh, tweet us, uh, sorry, on Twitter, or you can text in here live on Podbean. Do you think a £60 fine per parent, £60 per parent for 10 sessions absence um, and so that would be five days absence do you think that's appropriate okay now there is talk and i know some some schools use um, an 80 percent target before they look into it um, now of course depending on what day of the term it is the percentages are really a kind of tricky uh, way of understanding when we get on to talking about sharing information parents we'll talk a little bit about percentages and why maybe they're not a great method of sharing information with parents around attendance because if i was to say to you you know a child misses the first day of school they're on zero child misses the first week comes in for the second week they're on 50 percent that last week of term if they miss one day that can have a limited impact on the attendance so again percentages tricky thing when it comes to attendance but they, they are used a lot um so why have they announced these me measures that that's their subheading why have you announced these measures um Absence due to COVID is unavoidable, but the disruption to education caused by the pandemic has exacerbated some issues that resulted in pupils missing school avoidably. And so we get onto this phrase of avoidable absences, and then we get into the crux of the matter. And this, this is where schools' interpretation of the guidance as we go through will be really interesting. How you see it um, working is what is avoidable, what is unavoidable and how then you implement that within your school okay we'll get back onto that later so numbers 
of pupils persistently absent increased uh, to 501,000 uh, in secondary schools in autumn 2020, compared to 454,000 in 2019. Now, persistent absence, and again, this is in the guidance, we'll talk through it. A persistent absence is where a child is missing 10% of their uh, possible sessions. Now, let me say that again when you're talking about, you know, uh, an 80% target. A child who's persistently absent in the guidance, and we'll go through it, is someone who's missing 10% of their available sessions. That means an, att an attendance score, if you're going through your register yourself or sharing it at a parent's evening, someone with 90% attendance. Now, I think that is a bit of a shocker for some people when we start hearing that word persistently absent, because it is previously, or at least in my experience, I'll be interested to hear from you if you are uh, listening to us, is previously been in my experience considered kind of a lot um, a lot lower attendance than that that we'd be talking about persistent absence. So the government has set out their stall. They have talked about uh, this recovery from COVID, but they also and importantly in there they talked about um, it being uh, an issue before. So we're going to go back. We're going to go way back. I say way back, it's, it's not that far back. We're going to go back and look at pupil absence in schools in England from 2018 and, and 2019, so that school year. Now, the absence for that school year, overall absence rate, uh, and this is obviously in pre-pandemic times, uh, the, was 4.7%. That was our overall absence rate. And this was down. The trend was that it was falling slowly it was down from 4.8 percent the year before authorized absences uh, they were at 3.3 percent and this again was down so absences were coming down uh, from 3.5 percent the year before unauthorized absences and we will talk a little bit more about what's happening here unauthorized absences was the same as the previous year and that was at 1.4 percent of, of absences our persistent absences uh was down. Persistent absences was only 10%, 10.9% of all pupils were considered persistent absentees. Um, and, and that was down from the year before. So what we're seeing is a, uh, over time, a downward trend, okay, but a flattening trend as well. So if we went back as far as uh, 2006, you would see that slowly dropping down these absence figures uh, before the pandemic. Now, what we see within that, though, are some interesting bits and pieces. So as we've said, our authorised absences has fallen significantly. Well, significantly compared to um, uh, the total. OK, they have fallen down. And that's where we see our unauthorised absences, though, as we've talked about, is slowly creeping up, um, slowly creeping up. Uh, and we see this most when we look at authorised holidays. We really see some of the things that are happening here. Now, back in uh, 2006, authorised holidays were at 0.6% of our absences and unauthorised holidays were at 0.1%. And that, you know, that is where we were. Over the years, the authorised absence holidays has dropped significantly. You know, it has really dropped down and they uh, unauthorised holidays has risen. OK, 
and I, you know, if you can spot the pattern here, uh, you are with me. In around uh, 2013, the lines crossed, and now they have inverted, where we have an authorised holiday rate of 0.1% and an unauthorised holiday rate of 0.4%. And this is down to uh, pressure applied to schools and head teachers not to allow or not to support families in taking holidays during term time. Now, you know, if you're following me with the figures, that hasn't had a big impact on absence overall. What it has done is meant that more families are taking unauthorised holidays um, than ones that were previously authorised by the school. And when we get into looking at how we can improve attendance, that will be something that maybe there is a question for us about does behaviour like that support us overall in working together with parents to help improve attendance? Okay, so if we are saying that over the past 12 years, what has happened is we have been refusing to authorise holidays and parents have been taking them as unauthorised holidays. There is something to be said there about the relationship between the two, uh, the school and the parents at home. We can, of course, talk a little bit about persistent absences. I did say it was falling, uh, and that is the trend. <coughs> Excuse me. Persistently absent pupils are accounting now for about uh, 40% of all absences, and that is up slightly from the year before, but our overall absence rate from persistent absentees is, is falling. Okay, so we there is something happening there. We are we are improving it, but a significant amount of your absences, if you're looking to improve the absence rate of your school, is coming from that group that we would be terming as persistently absent. And so when we get on to looking at the advice and the support that's available, there's another group there for us to look at, those that are persistently absent. And remember, that is a pupil who is identified as a persistent absentee if they miss 10% or more of their possible sessions. And in primary and secondary, that is talking about your morning registration and your afternoon registration. We'll get on to lates a little bit later because there is, again, some very specific guidance around being late that maybe uh, people have forgotten or has got lost in the complexities of the school day. So we need to look at our relationship when authorising or parents taking out unauthorised holidays. We need to look at our persistent absentees. We also need to be remembering that actually missing 10% of your sessions is a large number of our pupils. In fact, you know, they are accounting for nearly 40% of all absences. And, and so that is something we need to look at. Now, there are, of course, ethnic trends, ethnic group trends um, to be aware of. Uh, traveller Irish and Irish heritage pupils, Gypsy Roma pupils, uh, have the highest overall absent rates of 18% and 12% respectively. Chinese and black African ethnicity pupils have the lowest overall absence rates of 2.3% uh, and 2.9% respectively. Uh, we can look at free school meals pupils as well, where we see that actually free school meal pupils are um, nearly uh, twice as likely um, as non-free school meal pupils uh, to be absent. When we look at boys and girls, very similar 
absence rates. So that is something we can park for now. We don't need to worry about boys and girls. That leaves us are looking at deprivation, the free school meals, it, the relationship of authorised and unauthorised holidays and what that means of working partnerships with the schools and, of course, our persistent absentees. Now, that was pre-pandemic. Let's have a little look at where we are now. This is the most recent data available. This is from the academic year 2021. And our headline figures for rate of sessions recorded as not attending due to COVID circumstances was 21.3%. That is a, you know, a significant number. Our overall absence rate uh, was... 4.6%, a slight down by 0.1 of a percent. And our percentage of persistent absentees is up, up for the first time in a couple of years, is up to 12.1%. Now, that is where we are at. Now, the thing that might be shocking for some people when they're thinking about this issue around why we are having a focus on it now is if you take COVID out of the equation, which hopefully at some point in the future, you know, fingers crossed we will be, then the overall absence rate doesn't look to be increasing too much. But those persistent absentees, that is where there is a factor. And so when we go through the guidance, certainly we'll be looking at the top end of what that means for persistent absentees. Now, the next bit that we need to throw into the equation before we look any further at this guidance is this most recent Strathclyde uh, University report about the damage. And, and you know, I'm going to read uh, the title from a, a TES article on it, which the title is Authorised School Absence Equally Detrimental to Pupils. OK, and now uh, it's a tough one, this because we don't know where it's going. I, I personally have you know a, a real worry about this, but I'm, I'm going to plough on through and try and give it before we get on because obviously I'd like to hear your points of view. We've heard some of them on Twitter as well already. Um, new researches challenges the assumption that unauthorised absences or truancy are more harmful than authorised absences to how well pupils do in school. Um, the study, uh, led by University of Strathclyde, states research and policy have focused on reducing and mitigating the harmful impact of unexcused absences. Um, certainly, I, you know, I would agree with that. But they go on to say, however, it finds excused absences such as sickness or exceptional domestic circumstances are equally detrimental to achievement. The study calls for equal emphasis to be placed on tackling all forms of school absence. It says this is particularly important considering that sickness-related absences are on average higher than other reasons for school absenteeism in Scotland where this study took place. I'm just going to let that sink in for a second and then I'm going to read it again. The study calls for equal emphasis to be placed on tackling all forms of school absence, particularly sickness-related absence. 
So what we are saying here, or this report is saying, certainly, you know, there is a narrative here that schools should be looking at how they improve the absence rates where absences are related to children, parents phoning up and reporting that their child is unwell. Now, that is a really tricky, interesting uh, point and something that when we look at the guidance, it'll be interesting for us to keep in mind as we pull out some of those things the government is talking about how they will support parents to get their child an education. And we can question whether the word support is the correct word to be using when when describing some of the actions they are possibly asking schools to take. Now, we'll go on a little bit more with this uh, report as it's come in. Co-author, uh, Dr. Edward Sosu, um, also of the University of Strathclyde uh, School of Education, said, if we want to address absence through sickness or truancy, we have to address the missing school itself, but also some of the underlying reasons such as health, behaviour or psychosocial aspects. The reasons for absenteeism are complex and a more nuanced approach is needed with more comprehensive forms of intervention. Now, one would hope, and maybe, you know, it'd be interesting to hear your points of view on this, that what is being suggested here is, you know, more public health options, more support for anxiety or mental health issues, um, better access for children to see GPs, you know, outside of school time, I don't know. But if we were to take the most common and from the, the, the Department for Education's press release, you know, that we have already seen their expectation that we've been moving towards using fines to support parents, using fines and sanctions and legal uh, remedies to support parents in their, helping their children gain an education. The fact that we would turn the focus on sickness or illness sorry um is jarring perhaps and that would be really interesting to hear your points of view about whether schools should be trying to or how they should be trying to address an issue where a child a parent has phoned up for a child and said my child is too unwell to attend school um should what action should a school take what should a school be doing how strict how hard line should fines be being mentioned what support could be put in place in that situation because that is a really tough question now we are going to go uh, have a quick ad break now we'll hear from some wonderful sponsors but when we come back we have a couple of things to do we need to talk about the effects of absence uh you know there are some differences opinions about kind of the tact to take on that depending on whether you believe uh that it is truancy in its you know the old-fashioned use of the word that truancy where it is a choice and it is uh kind of a uh, a deliberate, belligerent, I'm trying to think of other words possibly that you would use to describe that that typical truancy behaviour, or whether you think there is something more complex, more nuanced, uh, where this support can be had. Now, we will be talking about that when we come back from the ads. We'll see you on the other side. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, 
the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.wetherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 pounds in bursary terms and conditions apply find out more at stevewoods.co.uk if you're listening to this then we know we share one thing in common a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves that's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care we need people like you to help us achieve even more with us you'll be given all the resources and support you need offered a clear path to career progression and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea Twilight Show on a Tuesday now with me, Nathan Ginn, here in Swansea. And I can see texts coming in, Noswitha, HB History. Good to see a little Gumraig, little uh, Welsh in the chat there, actually correcting me there because uh, you should say, you know, Boridar is, is kind of good morning. It's a, it's a morning daytime thing. It is the evening now, so we'll be moving on to Noswitha. Um, and, and, and later on, at the end of my show, hopefully, as I go to bed, I'll be saying Nostar, which is, which is good night. But thanks for the correction. And don't forget, if you want to add something to this conversation you can text us in live in the app you can tweet us at tt radio 2022 on twitter um you can of course call in if you want to if you want to add something that you just don't have enough enough characters to say enough you know enough typing speed to get in there and you'd rather say it in person you can call in uh, and we'd love to hear from you as well love hearing from our listeners it's a talk radio show you know it, it's all about hearing from real teachers now 
if you've just joined us before the ads there, we were talking about um, the new or the, the, the current DFE panic around attendance. Now, we had to go back and we went back to the most uh, recent reliable year, um, which was 2018-19, uh, to look at what the trends were there. We looked at some of the trends uh, from even as far back as you know, sort of 2006, 2007, that academic year, and we were looking at some of the trends that came through and some of the things that I, I pulled out there for us to have a think about, some of the things that were pulled out there were number one, okay, attendance or absence, sorry, well, <laughs> the attendance rate has been improving. Our absence rate has been falling. That has been happening over time. Um, one of the most noticeable things, though, uh, that the switches was this change in authorised holidays dropping uh, from around uh, 0.6%. It dropped all the way down to 0.1 over this 12-year period. And at the same time, those lines crossing over around 2012, unauthorised holidays as a reason for absence went from 0.1. They went all the way up to um, 0.4%. That tells us something. That tells us that head teachers or schools are not allowing, are not agreeing when those holiday request forms come in or however your school does it, are not agreeing to authorise an absence from school for a holiday. What it also tells us is parents are going anyway and it's being now recorded as an unauthorised holiday. Now that says something for us about relationships between school and between home. And when we look at the government guidance, we'll have a little bit of chat about where they sit on that. We also looked obviously at this kind of COVID attendance data, what that means. And we saw within that, that um, one of the big things for us was this group that we call um, persistently absent persistent absentees and now remember this is shocking when most people think about it uh, a persistent absentee is missing 10% of your possible sessions so 10% that means you would have uh, when when those reports come home to parents when you know you're giving them out a parents evening you'd be talking about 90% attendance anyone below 90% is considered a persistent absentee and they um, make up around 40% of all absences, this group. And so there's something for us to address there. We've also got to remember from the data as we pulled it out, um, deprivation has a role to play. So you are twice as likely to be absent if you are uh, free school meals. So those are our kind of big numbers that we need to look at. Working with parents and refusing to allow them to take their kids on holiday, um, absences, as a persistent absence and how you address that if you, if we're saying that when children are absent they are you know the issue is when they are persistently absent they are absent a lot and then the other thing to look at is whether deprivation plays an issue here we threw into that whole mix the Strathclyde study that came out this week saying that actually we should be considering all absences illnesses sickness family emergencies all of those have a part to play because if you miss school, you're missing school, whatever the reason. So we've got another thing thrown in there. Well, if we have all of those different and separate problems, uh, 
what can be done. Now, our first bit we're going to look at, we're just going to have a quick look at what some of the impact is from an article called What's the Best Way to Tackle Low Attendance by Kate Parker in the TES. And this is about addressing avoidable absences as we use it again. You know, this word for, that policymakers are using as schools recover from the pandemic. And I've already suggested my concerns. Perhaps you would like to voice opposition to this, but my concern that we are including within our group of avoidable absences, sickness or illness. And that becomes, for me, a really sticky situation. If we are saying that illness or schools are having to judge whether an illness was avoidable or not as an absence. So uh, some of the things that get talked about when we talk about the effects of these absences, uh, it brings in the, you know, the Education Endowment Fund uh, Rapid Evidence Assessment, um, citing a 2012 study by John Hopkins University in the US that found poor attendance in school is linked to poor academic attainment. I think we would all be on board with this as a, you know, as a concept. There's also research from the DfE in 2016 that found that key stage two pupils with no absence are 1.3 times more likely to achieve a level four as it was then. And they are 3.1 times, so three times more likely to achieve a level five or above. What we would now be considering probably greater depth. So that, that level above. Um, than pupils who missed 10 to 15% of all sessions. So those would be our group we're talking about persistent absentees. Um, they also say the effects go beyond academic achievement. Uh, the Education Endowment Fund pointing research that found poor attendance was linked to antisocial characteristics, delinquent activity and negative behavioural outcomes. And I'm just going to draw our attention there. You know, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Uh, delinquent activity, truancy, these words come loaded uh, with a certain uh, picture. You know, if we were talking about a truant, perhaps, oh, maybe that's just me, maybe it's my internal biases. You know, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are when we hear about, you know, a delinquent and a truant, uh, what, what that means to you. Um, certainly it's painting a picture, okay? They say on top of this, uh, it's a matter of safeguarding. Uh, if vulnerable children are not in school, teachers can't monitor them or raise any concerns. So these are some of the issues that they um, that we uh, that we find thrown into this article, and it's interesting to raise here because we will be talking about the government guidance on this. Uh, they say that a recent poll by Parent Kind, a parent group, found seventy three percent of parents disagreed with schools and local authorities imposing fines for unauthorised absences, okay? Um, research by SquarePeg, which is a grassroots social impact organisation, talked about this being, a, you know, an issue exacerbated by inflexible, rigid systems uh, and the, how they respond and refuse to authorise absence arising from hidden disabilities or unrecognised challenges in particular mental health. I side slightly there. That, you know, I, I'm, I'm saying I'm leaning towards that. Whether you agree or not, whether you think, you know, that fines are appropriate, 73% of parents disagree that fines are appropriate. Um, Square Peg, this organisation, are saying that the system is too rigid and that there is an issue around hidden disabilities and unrecognised challenges. The refusal 
to authorize absences. And that would be that point that I pulled out already about, uh, you know, it was shown in the data showing that we are authorizing less and less holidays for parents. We get a kind of picture. Now, on the other side, slightly, I would pitch this is a kind of talk of exacerbating bad habits. Now, this is from uh, Matt Whittle, who's an associate head teacher um, at Corpus Christi Catholic High School in Lancaster. Um, about tackling low attendance and he says uh, you know the the challenges fall outside of schools control he says the biggest causes have their roots in the home in upbringing and peer influences that for many pupils particularly the most disengaged a greater pull than the desire to do well in school uh, the pandemic, he adds, exacerbated this, where there were bad habits, it cemented them further. Some pupils were very reluctant to come out of lockdown and had grown very accustomed to being at home, learning in front of a computer screen. He said, for some, this was a natural proclivity. For others, this was sheer laziness and everything in between. Now, the reason that I pitched that as uh, being against some of the other points we'd heard, particularly from Square Peg, uh, was this idea of uh, it paints for me a picture of truancy. When I say truant, what do you think of? Do you think of someone with a natural proclivity for sheer laziness? Do you think of um, maybe where that blame sits for a child not wanting to be in school? And I choose blame as a very specific word there. Uh does that blame have its roots in the home and upbringing? You know, what is this we are saying and what is it that's being said here, you know, about what we are addressing? Because maybe, and as we go through the guidance, we'll have to unpick which of these issues are we trying to address? We already know from the Strathclyde study that actually absenteeism through illness is is far greater than absenteeism through truancy, inverted commas. Uh, but is our focus then on this uh, spectre of truancy and delinquent behaviour and sheer laziness and issues in the home, roots in the home and a natural proclivity in their upbringing? That would be my question. So we have the sides, we have the data, we have a kind of understanding maybe of some of the issues to unpick for us now, uh, we'll go through the guidance. Now, the guidance document I'm looking at here, I'm working through with you, is um, working together to improve school attendance. It's from the Department for Education. It's guidance for maintained schools, academies, independent schools and local authorities, published May uh, 2022. And this will apply from September 2022. So we can go through. Uh, this very latest guidance on what you should be doing, what I should be doing, what we should be doing. And I'm going to use this word very carefully to support parents uh, in improving school attendance. So as we go through, of course, we set out the scene of the importance. Improving attendance is everyone's business. Barriers to accessing education are wide and complex, both within the school gate and beyond and are often specific to individuals and families 
the foundation of securing good attendance is a school that is calm, orderly, safe and supportive environment where all pupils want to be and are keen and ready to learn. So this is our first point. We are being asked to make sure that we have a calm and orderly and safe and supportive school so that the children are, are, you know, want to be there and are ready to learn. Point two, some pupils find it harder than others to attend school and therefore at all stages of improving attendance, schools and partners should work with pupils and parents to remove barriers to attendance, building strong and trusting relationships and working together to put the right support in place. Securing good attendance cannot therefore be seen in isolation. It cannot solely be the preserve of a single member of staff. Now, this sounds supportive. I mean, they've used the word support. We've heard the word support coming through. The only bit that flags there for me, uh, and maybe you spotted it, was at all stages. There are stages coming. Okay. There are stages coming, you know, and as you might expect through this, as it um, ramps up perhaps, should we say, is the, the best word. There is law. The law on school attendance and a right to a full-time education. The law entitles every child of compulsory school age to an efficient full-time education suitable to their age, aptitude, and special educational need. It is the legal responsibility of every parent to make sure that their child receives that education, either by attendance at a school or education other than at a school. Uh, where parents decide to have their child registered at a school, they have an additional legal duty to ensure their child attends that school regularly. This means their child must attend every day the school is open, except in a small number of allowable circumstances, such as being too ill to attend or being given permission for an absence in advance from the school. Now, that is, you know, a lot of legal in there. We've come in heavy from the government with our legal responsibilities and that is fine they have told us though that a child may be too ill to attend and we've already heard that there is a push for us to improve attendance even for those who are ill and perhaps we should be focusing on that they've also said that you may be given permission for an absence but we know the data certainly the data from 26 till now suggests that you won't in fact the trend has been uh, particularly for holidays that you will uh, not be given an authorised absence. We go on to hear that this is essential for pupils to get the most out of their school experience, including attainment, well-being, and wider life chances. We get some data. We hear that uh, you know pupils with higher attainment at the end of key stage two and key stage four have higher rates of attendance over the key stage compared to those with the lowest attainment. And I think that is not something that people would argue with. I think there is you know, people are understanding of, you know, you may pull me on this, you may comment, you know, don't forget, you can text in, you can tweet us, you can call in if you will. But I think it goes without saying most people would agree that if your attendance is lower, you have less learning time. And so it is likely that you are going to have a lower attainment. However, they go on to also state that research has shown associations between regular absence from school and the number of extrafamilial harms. These include crime. 90% of young offenders have been persistently absent. They don't clarify at that point what the absence was due to, just to say that 90% of offenders have been persistently absent. They don't say if it was illness. 
they don't say uh, if it was truancy in, in, you know, in the words that we've heard so far. Uh, and serious violence as well. They talk about 83% of knife possession offenders had been persistently absent for at least one of the five years of study. So again, serious violence and crime linked, maybe not causally, but linked certainly to these absence rates. Their system then, which they lay out for us, that we will be expected to use. Uh, working together to improve school attendance requires schools, local partners to work collaboratively and not against families. Very supportive from the DfE there. Remember, they will fine you, but they're not working against you. You know, they will fine you. Um, so, of their level, and we're talking about a flow chart here, number one, expect. We have to expect. Okay, Aspire to high standards of attendance from all pupils. Build a culture where all can and want to be in school, ready to learn, prioritising attendance and improvements across the school. Number one, expect. Number two, monitor. Rigorously use attendance data to identify patterns of poor attendance. Remember, one of the things they're suggesting is a live monitoring centrally live monitored sims data to see who's absent so we're expecting we're monitoring step three we're listening and understanding when a pattern is spotted discuss it with pupils and parents listen and understand barriers to attendance and agree how all partners can work together to resolve them expect monitor listen and understand for a tough word for me here, facilitate support. So this is where we are putting in some support. We will remove barriers, help pupils and parents access the support they need to overcome barriers outside of school. And, you know, this might include early help or a whole family plan where absence is a symptom of a wider issue. So we have gone through there. Expect, monitor, listen and understand, facilitate support. Now, remembering we are targeting children with 90% attendance. That means you could have half a day off a week and you would be falling within this group, if not higher. They would be expecting that a number of these steps had already been taken. If you were regularly having an afternoon off a week for any reason. Okay, we get our next step. So we've had expect, monitor, Listen and understand, facilitate support. We now formalize the support. Where absence persists and voluntary support is not working or has not been engaged with, partners partners should work together to explain the consequences clearly and ensure support is in place to enable families to respond. Uh, this may include formalizing support through a parenting contract or an education supervision order. An education supervision order being a uh, supervisor appointed to the family to ensure that child gets to school, to make sure the child gets to school. So that would be an education supervision order. A uh, parenting contract is slightly woollier, I will say, but can often include parenting courses and the such like, but it is something that they agree to. And if they don't follow through on, would then lead to, to, to later um, well, the next step, enforce. We have had expect, monitor, listen and understand, facil facilitate support, formalise support and now enforce where all other avenues have been exhausted and support is not working or being engaged with. 
enforce attendance through statutory intervention or prosecution to protect the pupil's rights to an education. Now, for those of us who have sent out letters threatening uh, fines, which we are around, you know, the time of year that you might be considering that, um, I would question if all of those steps are followed through always. If you follow through those steps before you have sent out the fine letter, and if you have not, where does that monitoring sit? before and where does the support sit before we have got to the enforcement level okay because this is the guidance that the government is setting out the expectations for schools they expect us to develop and maintain a whole school culture that promotes the benefits of high attendance they expect us to have a clear school attendance policy which all staff pupils and parents understand we are expected to accurately complete admission and uh, except where there are boarding schools, attendance registers that have an effective day-to-day -day process in place to follow up absence. We're expected to regularly monitor and analyze attendance and absence data and put in effective strategies. I would question there how regularly you are running your attendance reports because if you are going to pick up or have the ability to improve an absence of three days, depending on when you are doing that within the term, there may not be enough days left for you to actually make that improvement. And that is something that is very tricky to calculate, but um, it's something we can maybe look at a little bit further on. Within all of this, within our enforcement and our supervision orders and our parenting contracts, they expect us to build strong relationships with families. And of course, share and work collaboratively with other schools in the area, local authorities and partners. Um, we have our plan then, we have the steps we should be taking. We get a little bit more into their guidance of what support is. And this next sentence, I, you know, I want to point out as something possibly telling. Now, I'll read it out and possibly if you want to text in, if you want to call in to tell me how you take this sentence or what side of the support line you feel it sits. Good attendance is a learned behaviour. And the most effective schools recognise the importance of, of developing good patterns of attendance from the outset. Now we're talking about, you know, a learned behaviour. There's something in that sentence that strikes me of the part we heard before where people were talking about delinquency, where people were talking about truancy. Good attendance is a learned behaviour, developing good patterns of attendance from the outset. Now, I don't disagree that, you know, around some of those issues, when we start talking about emotionally based school avoidance, when we start talking about anxiety, then there is, of course, an element of that. There is something within DFE guidance to be talking about. I don't know. Something hits me there. Send your messages in. Let's see what you think. They talk about what should be in a school attendance policy. They give us, uh, you know, the guidance for that. One of the most interesting things within this, which probably I would imagine is something maybe you haven't thought about or thought about recently, is lateness. And we get onto that idea of lateness. Um, it's brought up often, but are there, do you know 
is your school clear? Are your children, are your pupils clear? Are the parents clear on what late is and what absence is? Now, as far as the statutory guidance, and if you're following the letter of the law, you are allowed a half hour window after the school register opens. Okay. Now, even if that's your form time, even if your form time is only 15 minutes, even if, you know, the person at the front desk says, you know, and I have been in schools where, you know, we say, oh, yeah, you need to, you know, our school doors open. You need to be in by 845, uh, you know, in primary school, say, oh, the, the office want the register by nine. Now, actually, if they arrive at the office, uh, even by uh, by 9.30 on the dot, they could be marked as attending late. But anything after that is an unauthorised absence. Are your parents clear that being an hour late for school removes a session that is half a day as an unauthorised absence? Are you clear on it? Are your, are you, you know, are your form tutors clear? Are your heads of year clear? Um, is your receptionist clear? Because beyond the educational impact, when we're looking at attendance data, being an hour late is as good as being three hours late. Not in the classroom, not if I'm teaching you period two, but as far as the data goes, that is really uh, important and clear, something that we need to understand. Okay. Another thing that, and this may be something for you to look at as a school, is when there are afternoon absences and how that impacts on learning. Because you may be at a school that has four sessions before lunch and only one session after lunch. Now, if that's the case, as far as lost learning goes, then there is a difference between how much learning is lost in a morning absence or an afternoon absence. And those are things that, you know, when we come down to doing the attendance policy and sharing the attendance policy, are things that we really need to unpick and be really clear on. Because what is it we're managing? What is it we're looking for? How are we going to improve it? As I say, we're in the nuts and bolts now. Um, they do, helpfully. Uh, throw in a, a, an extra chapter, an extra paragraph within the guidance about building strong relationships with families. They say schools should treat all pupils and parents with dignity and staff should model respectful relationships to build positive relationship between home and school that can be the foundation of good attendance. Lovely to have that in the guidance. Also, however, we know that the trend and the push, whether it be from a government level, a local authority level or at a school level, has been to refuse to authorise absences. We also know that there's pressure that we maybe see through that draft Clyde report to insinuate, maybe, when a child is being kept off sick, whether that is a avoidable absence or not. You know, um, I feel myself, you know, and as I say, it'd be great to hear from you on Twitter or on in the Podbean, whether you feel that schools and the policies that they use help build a positive relationship or they um, the policy itself gets in the way of effective uh, learning. Now, it'd be really interesting, you know, when we come back after the news a little bit later on, we're going to talk about some of the things that can be done and some of the steps you can take. One of those steps, particularly on this point that I feel very passionately about, is the openness and honesty. We've talked about that idea that authorised policies have all but disappeared. They have dropped and and in the same time period, we have seen a rise in unauthorised holidays being taken by families. I would say on top of that, 
whilst they don't marry exactly, there is probably a gap between it where you are not being told the truth. You are being told uh, a child is ill when in fact they're going on holiday or you are being told something else has happened and they're actually going on holiday because of those communications. They've had a text in from uh, Lucy just saying there, who judges how ill is too ill? And that is a really good point, a really good question. If this pressure is being put on that all absence should be falling, uh, that all missed learning is important, you know, um, and we know that the bigger absence is through illness, the, you know, the bigger chunk rather than truancy, which is not a word I like, but is a word that is most fitting, I guess, that for most people to that. Um, and schools are then left to judge, a receptionist is left to judge whether that illness, whether that absence was avoidable or wasn't avoidable, or maybe you're getting a phone call home from a uh, you know, a, a education welfare officer or whatever it is that, you know, you used to call them when you grew up in Swansea, it was Mitch men. I know that you had like, you know, um, all kinds of, of other words about people who would go around uh, collecting the children who were, where I grew up, we said bunking off. Would a welfare officer be looking and saying, hey, absence is low. What can we do to support? Or is the lever you need to improve more, you need a parenting contract, there may be fines. It's a really tough one. And to be put in that situation uh, by the guidance, by the schools, uh, by the DfE, you will see why the Strathclyde uh, report worries me in that sense. Hopefully, you know, if, if you think that is fine, if you think actually, and we've had these these messages in on Twitter saying, actually schools should not be involving themselves at all and interestingly enough um the, the commenter on the post was has said uh, that actually they don't think schools should be measured on attendance at all because that is entirely down to the parent and it is entirely the parent's responsibility and actually find them more sanction them more because it is a legal responsibility that they have to do now as i say the government advice there the government uh, guidance talks about support it talks a lot about support but it does talk a lot about sanctions now when we come back after the news i'm hoping that we turn to a more uh, well i'm going to say it for myself a more positive a more uh, emotionally informed maybe approach we're going to look at we're, we're going to look at what attendance matters magazine says you can do to support and i use that in the positive not in the negative that i've been using it throughout this when the dfe say it, actually support families actually listen to them actually engage in a way that helps attendance improve we will see you after the news This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. 
Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 pounds in bursary terms and conditions apply find out more at stevewoods.co.uk if you're listening to this then we know we share one thing in common a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves that's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care we need people like you to help us achieve even more with us you'll be given all the resources and support you need offered a clear path to career progression and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Two former Tory ministers have called for immediate action from the government to curb rises in student loan interest rates. Former Business Secretary Greg Clark told The Observer, a 12% interest rate on student loans is an outrageous charge that the government must prevent from happening. It is a breach of what students expected, that interest rates on loans would be no higher than market rates and it risks frightening off new students from entering higher education, even in courses like science and engineering, at a time when the economy desperately needs these skills. In April, the Institute for Fiscal Studies has calculated that because of current RPI inflation rates, the maximum interest rate on loans paid by those earning £49,130 or more will rise from current rates of 4.5% to an eye-watering 12% for half a year. In Wales, head teachers have said that some primary schools are not ready to introduce the new curriculum for Wales and would like the choice to delay it. More than half of secondary schools have chosen to delay and will not begin teaching the new curriculum until September 2023. And they were given the option in response to concerns that COVID disruption 
had left schools unable to plan for the new curriculum. NAHT President Karina Hansen, who is also a primary head teacher in Swansea, said, Primary schools have understood that they need to start their new curriculum offer in September. We weren't offered that relaxation. Secondary schools were. The reassurance we want is that our accountability partners are also clear that schools will be in different places and will need time to refine their curriculum offer. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about virtual tours. Did you know you can go virtually almost anywhere without leaving the classroom? Due to this being an audio podcast, I'd just like to point out to listeners, I did air quotes around the word virtually just then. On Sunday, I tweeted a great list to start from, created by Katie Burke of Good Housekeeping. Before you start asking why someone as cool as me is reading Good Housekeeping, a good list is a good list. I'm going to tweet a different virtual tour at TT Radio every day this week. So keep an eye out if you want to pick up a new virtual tour. So what is a virtual tour? They take many forms, but my favourites are interactive. Go to a place like the Louvre and look around, without the need to buy a ticket, queue, and even have an unobstructed view. Use snipping or print screen to make a storyboard, and reflect on your journey for an activity. There are virtual tours for lots of things you wouldn't think of. I found one for the digestion process where you can look around whilst being swallowed, digested, and yes, it finishes with you being excreted. Lovely. Next time you're looking for a way to explain something, just check and see if there's a virtual tour that can support you. I'll be tweeting at TT Radio 2022 a different tour each day this week. Yet another good reason to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to Swansea. Great to hear Swansea on the news there on Teachers Talk Radio. Um, although, for a, quite a tricky and disappointingly sad thing at the moment, <laughs> curriculum in Wales is a tough time for us. If you were in primary education in, uh, in and around 2014 in England, it's like that, but a lot a lot more because of the pandemic and because of you know the amount of thought that we now all we all put into curriculum progression and expectations so yeah i mean great to hear the shout out but but uh, you know tough times tough times here in wales um we have been talking about on this show we have been talking about the kind of current dfe panic around attendance we looked at some of the the pre covid data for attendance and it had improved and kind of plateaued a bit but you know it was uh, it was it looked like it was there we've had covid our covid attendance has 
has hit us in certain places. It mainly appears to have hit us, it, you know, in England. It appears to have hit um, what we would term as persistently absent uh, children, and that is any child who is absent for more than ten percent of their um, schooling time. Their their allotted schooling time, and we saw before COVID, you know, oh, sorry, actually during, you know, the the, the kind of most recent twenty twenty one data that that was around forty plus percent of all absences were within that group of persistently absent children. So there is something to be targeted there. We had a little bit talk through the, the DfE guidance on it. Uh, some of the things they suggest, they use the word support. I inferred that it wasn't very supportive. Um, but, you know, that, that that was my inference. You can make your own decisions on that. We have had uh, texts in already. Lucy's, you know, was talking about judging who judges how ill is too ill. When we talked about the Strathclyde study that said that Absence from illness was as important to uh, have a handle on as absence from truancy, uh, you know, and, and we talked a little bit about that word truancy as well. And, and you know, the words like delinquent behavior and some of the things that come out when we talk about children not attending school, whether they're appropriate or not. Now, I did say we'd end the show just looking for a little bit of the advice from Attendance Matters magazine, something which I feel uses the word support without inverted commas around it. They talk about the things that we need to from all of this information, the things we need to be doing is that the three key points is that consistency in applying the policy is essential. Okay. Now you need a policy and you need to be applying it consistently. The parents should be encouraged not to condone absence. And again, that is, you know, a very important phrasing around that and the work around that. And then we will give some of the examples is very important as well because I would suggest, and you can argue, you can text in, I would suggest that fines do not do anything to support us uh, in engaging with parents, that sanctions do not do that. And that is my personal opinion. You can argue back. That's the beauty of talk radio. You can call in, <coughs> excuse me, you can text in uh, and you can argue with me that actually fines work by all means. You know, I'd love to hear some other points of view. They say some of the things, though, you know, and this is really the phrasing that I like, is school leaders can do to maximise the chances of pupils attending and doing so on time. And we've talked a little bit about lateness, but maximising the chances of it. And the first thing, of course, is that policy. You know, you need to have a clear policy that sets out the expectations, but is clear. And I talked about that, you know, when we said about latenesses and we discussed, you know, do you actually know what late means at your school? Do you know when a child is marked late up until which point and at which point they are marked as unauthorised? Um, but, you know, if you're not using it and people don't know, uh, you know, it might as well be locked away in a dusty drawer. Okay, it needs to be shared with as wide an audience as possible. The children need to be aware of it too. Okay, importantly, it should have been consulted upon and agreed with your community. And the reasons for it need to be shared. You need to, uh, you know, make it really clear what is the purpose and you know what uh, the 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 importance of lost learning is. Okay, and then you need to make sure that the, the staff are, uh, are using it. There is nothing worse, and I would imagine that. Well, I hope other people can relate to this. 
at other schools I've worked in where registers are not completed on time or accurately or well or the system in place you know there are some where people forget to maybe click save and then it's overwritten the, the whole bell there okay but any system as we know will fall apart the second step and we've talked about this personalize okay having said consistency is key uh, is not to suggest that every pupil is the same or should be treated the same and that sounds like a contradiction. But, you know, of course, different pupils will have different needs and face different challenges in attending school and being on time. Uh, for each pupil who misses school or, or who's late for school, you need to try and establish what prevented that child from, from attending. And this is why that data around authorised holidays and unauthorised holidays flipping and, you know, schools no longer giving authorised holidays and parents taking those holidays anyway, unauthorised, I feel gets in the way. If we are going to question parents, they may well close up. And if they close up, we have, you know, we have cut off an avenue of establishing what actually prevented the child from attending. If parents are to be in a situation where they lie to us and say a child is ill because they feel that that is a better explanation or one that will mean that they don't get a fine, or one that means that the, the educational welfare officer won't call round, does that actually help us in the long term address, or even in the short term really, address an issue of uh, bullying or address an issue where uh, support could be put in place or address an issue where mental health might be a, a, an issue if we are shutting down those lines of communication through using punitive measures. Now, once the, the causes of non-attendance are known, the next step is to plan and personalise strategies to help support the pupils back into school. Without parental support and understanding for that, it's unlikely that any of those strategies are going to be effective, short-term or long-term. Okay, So we put that into place. But hopefully, you know, if you're listening, if you are a leader, maybe a, a middle leader, you'll already have heard me talking about the amount you'll be thinking that is a lot of time. How much time are we dedicating to this? Now, I would say that the proportion of absences within your school, if you are considering that that is lost learning time, why are you not dedicating as much time as you would to that lost learning time as you would if they were in school? How much time are you dedicating to it? How much staffing, how many resources are you dedicating to supporting and, and finding out and actually supporting those families in attending, not just a phone call home, not just an email home, not just a text message home, actually diagnosing, actually looking at, you know, what is the actual issue? We go on to step three, and we are, you know, coming towards the end of the show, and that is uh, the, putting it all into practice, okay? So one way to exhibit your high expectations and promote awareness among pupils and parents, uh, you know, is to quantify this lost learning time. Talk about it, put it out in newsletters. How much does one absence equate to? And why do you hold it as so important? You're not nagging. It is not a battle. It is something that you're working together to do. Uh, another way is to inform parents about the current research on good attendance and the academic achievement. And we've shared that data tonight. You know, at the start of the show, we were talking about that, the impact of absences on the likely outcomes later on. OK, um, as well as health 
and well-being and we know the links to crime that we've talked about whether causal or not we know that you know there are indicators there um you high expectations can also be upheld by working in partnership with parents to ensure they don't condone absences for trivial reasons and know that family holidays should be planned in school holidays rather than term time and this is a hard one for me because this is where the sanctions uh, don't measure up a, a cost benefit now you could argue uh, i could take both my boys out of school and i could take a 60 pound fine for each and 120 pound and if i was taking them abroad for a term time holiday that wouldn't you know that wouldn't even touch the difference between in school and out of school now we've had a message in there from our rossi uh, just saying best to dedicate short amount of time each day rather than looking at data every few weeks keep on top of it daily look for patterns yeah and i think that is it and you know it's a great piece of advice coming in there because if you are looking termly you know that picture will you will have missed the opportunity to intervene you will have missed the the opportunity to have those conversations and analyze and that is what this you know this advice is coming um to as well that actually it's um i guess with attendance you know we, we are talking about a move to assessment for learning but for attendance rather than summative uh, sort of end of term here is the data here's who got below 90 percent uh that is what it is you know assessment for learning but for attendance the other thing when putting it into practice and i've talked about staffing levels for this um if attendance is to be managed effectively staff need to be appropriately skilled this includes how to hold difficult conversations with pupils and parents and and that may involve it may involve uh training or coaching i would say it almost certainly will involve that because to have honest candid conversations with parents about the problems they may be facing or their children are facing without it being punitive without it being um paternalistic is a very skilled thing and often and i and i say this uh you know with my hands held high often can be left to some of our least experienced least trained maybe least paid sometimes staff members to be doing that work and perhaps i would say that is something we need to think about the other way around because if there are 30 kids in your school who are off for a day that is a staff member who would be teaching them and is that being allocated because that's what you've lost are we treating it the same with the same time and care and attention as if it was a lesson i would allocate a teacher to it i might allocate an upper pay scale teacher to it if it was a lesson who am i allocating to it because it's an absence for that many children and you know of course that is hard and there are funding implications but if it is learning lost there's a question for it there our rossi has uh, tweeted in for us there texted in just saying using an ewo as a middleman and reframing the ewo as supportive rather than punitive allows school to maintain relationships and find solutions and that certainly is something that came through from the dfe guidance of using those um support that is in place using those um, other uh, partnerships 
as long as, and I would condition this because from personal experience, and maybe I have had historically, not currently, personal experiences maybe that differ from other people, but the EWO needs to uh, be part of a team around the family and that is part of working with the school and working with the family and working with the child to help them get in. And that means people being clear on what their roles are and what their expectations are and, and, and how they achieve that. Now, the only other bits, uh, as far as it comes to, um, that we haven't been able to get onto this show, and maybe we'll have to hold an additional show for this, <coughs> excuse me, is talking about the reasons behind these absences. And we heard at the start, I talked about truancy as a, you know, a term that I disliked. Um, we do need to address uh, the fact that absence could be emotionally based school avoidance, could be anxiety related, could be um, a uh, undiagnosed medical or special educational need. Um, and even I would include in that from a kind of social emotional point of view could be friendships could be bullying diagnosing those things and finding appropriate support it would I hope go against a lot of people's expectations to use a sanction to address an anxiety to use a sanction to address <coughs> a child who feels that they cannot attend school because of friendship groups or bullying that is where we need to be clear in our expectations and clear as i take us back to the processes set out in the dfe guidance and their chain of events that we expect and that is setting our high expectations we monitor and as our rossi said you know in those tweets in regularly live data i mean the, the dfe are talking about setting up our sims so that they can track our data live as well for attendance we listen and understand we facilitate support before we formalize or enforce when you go back to school i would ask the question of whether before a letter goes out warning of a fine or including a fine if you have truly you feel you can handle heart say i have listened and understood and i have facilitated support now we've reached the end of the show if you want to join us over in twitter spaces shortly in just under five minutes lucy newberger will be there my voice is going right at the end we just made it through Oh, so if I can say goodbye, if I can say nostal, we will end the show and we will see you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. Nostar, good night. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.